Welcome to the latest edition of the Shukri Rights Podcast with your host, Shukri Rights. I am excited to be joined by the one and only Mark Bertrand of 985 The Sports Up. He also hosts the Patriots uh, pre and post pregame show. He used to do post game back in the day, but just pregame show um, now on 985 The Sports Up across the Patriots radio network. Mr. Bertrand, how are you doing on today? And uh, and please tell me the Celtics are not breaking our hearts as we speak. No, they're not. They're actually uh, competing tonight, and they're up six right before halftime. So oh, thank goodness. I'm I'm doing well. They seem to be doing well, and they just extended that lead. So things are going pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always that's always good uh, to hear for sure, especially when you talk about uh, the Celtics and the way that things have gone this season. Um, but but speaking of long winters, like hasn't it felt weird that we navigate through the sports landscape? And right about now, you usually are getting ready for baseball, looking forward to the baseball season. But baseball looks as far away as a desert mirage. Like, what's 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 going on? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I personally start thinking about baseball until after the Super Bowl, at least. And Fair this enough. year's this year is a little strange because the Super Bowl is so late. Yeah. Typically, it would be coming up usually this weekend, mm-hmm. and now it's not going to be happening this weekend. It's really late now, so we've got a full two weeks to go before the Super Bowl. So I don't know that I personally start thinking about it. We didn't really have we didn't have winter meetings. We didn't really have yeah. an off season, mm-hmm. and things have been shut down. And based on some of the latest, it sounds like baseball is far apart, but. In any labor stoppage and labor negotiation, you usually don't hear that things are starting to get close and come together until the very end. So when I hear that they're far apart and there's things that they disagree on, the fact that they continue to talk to me is somewhat encouraging. The fact that they keep going back to the table, that they haven't shut each other out yet, even if they're, you know, they disagree on a bunch of different things and yeah. pool money and you know, sort of salary structure and things like that. Like I, I just look at it and say they're talking almost every day at the moment mm-hmm. and they haven't shut each other off yet. And when these things go on, they're never close until it's just about done. So there's a lot of posturing that goes on. There's a lot of back and forth through the media that goes on. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not panicked that we're not going to have a baseball season. I can tell you that I'm still pretty optimistic that they're going to sort it out and they're going to have a season. I really think the question is, does it happen on time? Does spring training start on time? Every day that goes by, that looks a little bit less likely. So that could get pushed back. But quite frankly, baseball starts too damn early now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is too early for you? Well, March, March starting the regular season in March is too damn early. March to and the, so, yeah, March to be first. You know, right? So if they want to push it back into April where it belongs, or if they want to go to 154 games, which I would love to see again, yeah. and then short, shorten the season even by eight games, I'd be all for it. But the season's, the season's just a little bit too long, and it starts a little too early anyway. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just – I hope they get it done soon. I hope there's some resolution there. Mm-hmm. I hope that the, the game – really focuses on making some of the changes that I think they probably need to make, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it right now. I'm not worried yet. You are one of the few people that I personally either have met or know who share the same sentiments that you just stated and being a baseball nut job that I am, although my social media would indicate otherwise I'm like crazy about the Bruins and whatnot, but 
baseball being my heart and soul. And I'm like, okay, do we have a deal yet? Or what are we talking? Like today, I was literally talking about this on, on, on my radio program in which that they're literally fighting over how much like rookies in, in like years one through two are going to be earning by a slim margin of $45,000, which in major, which for major baseball financial terms, that's like a penny basically. But, but to those guys and to those players, it's a world of difference. It is. And so that's why I think it's worth fighting for. And I'm glad they are. And I'm glad they're actually fighting over that because to those guys, $45,000, it's a world of difference to someone who is, you know, on a rookie deal or is making minimum level money and may not have been a top prospect who got a big signing bonus when they signed. So, you know, if you're, if you're drafted in the 20th round and you turn out to be a really good player that was overlooked, $45,000 is a huge amount of money to you, oh, yeah. right? I mean, that's huge. And in Major League Baseball, to some of their top earners, $45,000 is Mike Trout's pocket change. You basically know, that's like what he, carries, <laughs> you know, like, like that's what, that's what he carries in his pocket, you know, and him and Bryce Harper go to the supermarket, you know, and pick up a few groceries. They've got that in a money clip. Exactly. Like, why not pick up a few crates of a uh, um, milk and bread? Like, while you're at yeah. it, like, like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> when they when they panic before the snowstorm, they get you know uh, they, they pick up the bread, <laughs> the milk, the eggs, and then mm. they also pick up you know a bag full of diamonds on the way home, just in oh, case God. you know the world collapses or something <laughs> during the course of the snowstorm. They've got yeah. that closet full of gold bars and bags of diamonds. But uh, yeah, I, I just I'm glad they're fighting for it because those are the guys. Those are the guys that typically get screwed in any labor negotiation. And that's in professional sports with the NFL, right? Oh, the owners want a rookie wage scale. Well, when they're at, and this goes back years now, but when they're at the negotiating table and they're talking about a rookie wage scale Mm -hmm. in the NFL and how the first round quarterback picks couldn't make that huge, you know, Matt Leinart salary now or whatever, you know, name whatever player you want to name. Jamarcus Russell, all those first round quarterback busts that got all that money, <laughs> the guys who are at the table negotiating the contract, none of them are future rookies in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those that's guys true. don't really have a say in the argument. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's something that baseball is obviously it's players association cares about because maybe some of the guys in their membership were in that position and they want to fight for the future guys, which I think is, is admirable because whether it's professional sports, whether it's baseball or it's, the NFL that applies to uh, you know any real labor union that deals with that, where the guys that are doing the negotiating for the business side of it are, is saying, oh well, you know what? All the senior guys, you guys can keep all the benefits that you've had, but new hires are going to take a different level of benefits. Mm. And sometimes you know unions fall into that trap and they agree to it. And many times unions say, hell no, you know we're all in this together. We're not we're not giving that up for us or for any future generation. You know, we're protecting the future employees of our union. And so I just think those those guys always tend to get screwed. So if they're sticking up for the little guy yeah. and they're sticking up for rookies and they're sticking up for the guys that are not making, you know, 20 million bucks a year, then good for them. I'm, you know, somebody should. Absolutely. And, and I, I think it's actually a, a great thing in, uh, what you mentioned about looking looking out for the, the future players that is going to be coming into um, the union, union and so forth. Um, but I want to shift gears because this past weekend was just wild. I mean, from the snowstorm 
to Championship Sunday. And there is a, an opinion that I carry with me in which that I'm a firm believer that when it comes to the NFL, I believe that ultimately who you've always been will always somehow, somehow show up and manifest itself. And that could have could not have been, been more true when it came to Andy Reid yesterday. Like that whole situation at the end of the first half, I thought was the most telling because I get that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But what I also understand is that you're the head coach. This is your call. You have a right to stick to your guns. What do you make of Andy Reid like deciding to defer to Patrick Mahomes' um, wishes in that situation where he clearly should have stuck to his guns and, and kicked the field goal instead of trying to go for a touchdown? Yeah, and, and you know, so it's it's sort of both of them is what I would do. I would blame both of them for that situation. The play call is on Andy Reid, and I think Andy Reid even said something to that effect on the play that they threw to Tyreek Hill behind the line of scrimmage and they lost no gain. They, they, they got barely back to the line of scrimmage. You know, he says I could have had a better play call on that play. Yeah, I mean, you think? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow, that's, that's really big of you to admit that. Yeah. So uh, that's on him. And it is, it's on him to pull his quarterback off the field and, and get the three there. And I think that, you know, I think the Chiefs are very confident in themselves, which I think sometimes means things get away from them a little bit. And I think it got away from them there where if there was a, a higher level of maybe some discipline there, they say, listen, we're going to continue to add on points and take guaranteed points every chance we get. Mm-hmm. You know, they had scored on their first three possessions. If they had scored on – they scored touchdowns, that is, on their first three possessions. So yeah. if you come away with four possessions in the first half and you have three touchdowns and a field goal, aren't you in really good shape going into the half? You would and, think so. It, yeah, I mean, isn't that okay? And so mm-hmm. I thought there were a couple of things there. One, the play call sucked. So that's on Andy Reid. Two, allowing Patrick Mahomes to go out there and try and throw that ball on that play means you've got to do a couple of things. One, you've got to gauge how he plays on the play before. And I thought Patrick Mahomes may have wasted an extra second on that play prior to that because he did the right thing and he turfed the ball and he stopped the clock without, you know, dancing around, continuing to look for an open receiver. So I thought maybe he took a half a second too long or a second too long to end that because that's got to be really quick. That has to be bang, bang. And with him, after that, you've got to say, okay, listen, Patrick, we've got to look for this, and it has to be quick, and if it's not there, you've got to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone because you've got to look at the clock and say, no matter what here, to decide to go for it on that play, you still have to have the ability to leave yourself enough time to try the field goal. And so you either have something quick, you know, whether that's a fade or whether that's something over, you know, where it's Kelsey over the middle, back in the end zone, it's either there or it isn't. And if it's not, we've got to get rid of the ball as soon as possible because we want to leave one second. We just need one second to kick that field goal. That's all they need. And I just thought there was a lack of awareness on Mahomes' part on the final two plays because when he threw the ball, there was still time on the clock, even after the time it took for that to develop, he still could have thrown that ball out of bounds over, over his head and they would have had time to kick the field goal. And so you've got to be sort of in his ear about that. Number one. And number two is you got to have a better play. And number three is stop being so damn confident all the time because (laughs) I, 
think that sort of hurt them in the second half too, you know, to not come away with points there. And the other thing is Mahomes forgetting that he's out of timeouts. And that, that's inexcusable. Inexcusable. You're absolutely right. That's the right word for it. It's completely inexcusable. And, and quite frankly, it stunned me because I think yeah. so much of Patrick Mahomes. I think he's so good and he's so talented. And I said this weekend was going to be a big sort of tell on which direction he's going to go here early in his career. You know, is he, is he going to get closer to Brady already? Or And I don't mean be Tom Brady, by the way. People yeah. get all over me. Like, he's not going to be Tom Brady. I'm not saying he is, but – is he going to be in that group of Montana and Elway and Brady? When you're talking about those all-time guys, mm-hmm. you know, or is he going to be with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to be with Eli Manning? Who's he going to be with? Peyton Manning. Does he really want to be with Eli Manning? Does he want to be grouped in that? I don't, I don't know. You want to be a two-time Super Bowl guy or do you want to be a guy who wins four? Right? I'm not saying he's going to catch Brady and be seven, but yeah. do you think – I mean, I think he's certainly capable of winning three or four titles in his career. And until just a few short years ago, having four was incredible. Yeah, It's it's amazing how Brady has changed that conversation with his seven. Because going back to 2014, when he won his fourth, it was absolutely huge that a guy had matched Montana and had matched, you know, the Steelers and, you know, had, had been – one of these guys that had an era of success, the way the 49ers did in the 80s, and again, the way the Steelers did, and you know, all the titles that Terry Bradshaw had. I mean, it was just remarkable that someone who was a modern quarterback had done that with four. Aikman had three, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I, I don't know, where do you want to be? You want to be at the Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger end of the spectrum, or do you want to be up there with Montana and Brady and be talked about with those guys, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I just think that this was a major, major lost opportunity for them. And I think that you saw that their overconfidence may have been a part of some of their sloppiness in the second half. They had their backs to the walls at the end of the game. They, they came up with the three points they needed to get it to overtime. Oh, I, absolutely. They, they, they did, but also. But they also fell apart and took two bad sacks in that oh, series. That, that blew I mean, my mind more than anything else in the second half, yeah. specifically the second half. I'm, I'm literally thinking to myself, football-wise, what are you doing taking those sacks? Get They're rid of the worried. football, throw it away. At least you still have the football at, at said field position instead of losing yards in that situation, which now puts your kicker in a disadvantage. And they're, they're worried about the clock, I think, too, which is stupid. <laughs> just score! You blew my mind. <laughs> it's just, like, just... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta score here. You gotta score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And when you do that... And I just thought to myself, can, can we see twice in the same game, Patrick Mahomes have a first down that close to the goal line and not get it in and not score? They didn't come up with points yeah. in the first half. They only came up with three at the end of the second half. That is crazy. Is and I think part of it is they were too confident in the first half and they didn't stay disciplined. And they were, you know, sort of lackadaisical because they had, they had the lead and they weren't thinking clearly. And you got Mahomes not knowing he doesn't even have any timeouts. And then at the end of the game, they're thinking, oh, we're going to score and we're going to manage the clock. We're going to get the touchdown and take away all their time. And what ended up happening was they only came away with three and they, they couldn't seal the deal. They couldn't get it done. If they had scored a touchdown at the end of regulation, I think the game is over and they win. I know that Cincinnati had played well, but that's a lot of pressure to put back on those guys. And, and I would have liked Casey's chances very much up with a lead with a minute to go and having Joe Burrow go the distance. I mean, go the whole field. That's a tough ask. The way they had shut down for the most part, 
Jamar Chase in that game. They took him out of the, they took him out of the game. That was going to be really hard for them to do. But considering that T Higgins stepped up huge, he did. And, and like considering that CJ Uzuzama went down with that injury, I, I kept saying, I told you during the game that you need T Higgins to step up huge because at this point, your options in terms of explosive plays is going to be either from Joe Mixon or from Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was not even a factor in the first half. And someone tried to tell me, but no, no, no. I'm like, no, he's not a factor in this game. What are you talking about? And going back to the, to the Chiefs for a moment, because there was something that stood out to me in which when they lost that game, I looked at it from two aspects. First aspect I thought about was, thank God I don't have to hear Brittany Matthews' mouth or see her <laughs> on, on, on TikTok like for, for, between now and God knows when, if I decide, ever decide to see her. And that's the first one. The don't bully one, her. Just make sure you're not bullying her, okay? <laughs> the, second, the second one on a serious note, doesn't this game kind of prove yet again to the Patriot haters and defactors what they did for 20 years can and will never be duplicated again? Because I think it's bigger than luck. And not speaking as a fan, but as a pure football broadcaster, like whatever else you want to say, that it's not luck. You need coaching. Belichick is the master of clock management. Yes, he's had some moments, yes. But as well as knowing what to do with the quarterback in those, in those key situations and games, by and large part, whereas you don't really see that with Andy Reid. There's a reason why, in my opinion, I think he, that he's three and five in championship games in his career. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. And I think that there's always sort of this focus on what it is you're playing for, focus on the little details, focus on the big details, focus on the big picture. Being able to focus on a lot of different things all at once yeah. is sort of been a real hallmark of Bill Belichick's coaching tenure. And whether that's every player doing that or the coaching staff doing it from their perspective, I think that is true. And I think they've got a firm grasp on, you know, for the most part, situations within the game. I don't think they've been as good at it in recent years yeah. as they were earlier in Bill Belichick's career. I think we've seen some some sort of cracks in that foundation at times, which has been a little bit alarming. But I think overall, I'd take him over anybody else at the end of the day when it comes to that stuff. But to your big point there, which is there's a difference between Brady in the early part of his career and now Mahomes in the early part of his career. And it's not just about the quarterback. It's about the teams that they're on. Yeah. And so the Patriots had a really elite, roster I think by the time they got to their second and third Super Bowls I don't think anyone's going to say they didn't mm. and when they did that they were taking advantage of those opportunities you know you could say 2001 they had a lot of really good players on that team and yeah. sometimes we forget how good that team was or we didn't view it as being as good of a team as it really was at the time but they had a lot of really good players on that team and so they got back there two more times back-to-back -back years and and took advantage of that before some of their guys got older some of their guys moved on you know whether that's teddy bruschi uh yeah. starting to get a little bit older or ted johnson was done at that point or ty law had moved on you know they started to sort of cycle through and, and revamp the roster it's sort of the ebb and flow of talent on your roster and sort of the cycle of the nfl you can't keep your group together forever yeah. And so I think right now Kansas City's got a really good group. They're not going to keep that group together forever. I mean, they arguably have one of the best rosters in the league, best roster in the AFC. And when you get this far and you've got Patrick Mahomes 
and you've been to four straight title games within the conference, I feel like he just missed out on some real opportunities to win more than one. And the opportunities are not created equal across your career. You know, Tom Brady did get to nine Super Bowls with the Patriots. Not all of those teams were the same in terms of their quality. And even some of the best chances, see 2007, didn't produce idle. And so, and so sometimes, you know, you're going to think you have a great roster and that doesn't mean necessarily you're going to result, that's going to result in a win. Or sometimes you're going to have a roster at the start of the year. You don't think is spectacular like 2011 and by a couple of good breaks along the way, you're in a title game. Granted, they didn't win it though. And they shouldn't have won it. They were not the best team on the field. They had the worst defense out of, out of any of the teams. I mean, Oh, that was Swiss cheese, man. I mean, that team was really remarkable in terms of some of the guys who were playing defense on that team. Oh, and, yeah. and, I mean, they were bending and not breaking all year long, but they, you know, they just had a few things go their way. And so my, my only point is like, it just feels like they're a really good team and they have a really good roster and they've had a really good roster for all four years of Mahomes, mm. And it resulted in one title and it took the 49ers sort of falling apart and opening the door for them in that Super Bowl two years ago. And that's not really to take away anything because you win a Super Bowl, man. That thing counts, hey, right? No one, mm-hmm. no one gets to take that away from you. But it just feels like this should have netted more for them. 100%. And because of that, it's just going to make it really hard for Mahomes to get to that, that you know, conversation of the elites of all time. It's just – I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying it gets harder it when does. you sort of whiff on these opportunities. Because and – and I'm glad you, you highlighted that part that it does get harder because I think – because we we've seen some we've seen all time great like quarterbacks get to championship games, Brady obviously we're we are spoiled here in New England based on what Brady did for twenty years, right? But I think for the first time in a generation we're seeing how hard it truly is to get to, to, to an AFC championship game, let alone get to a Super Bowl, let alone even win two or three at a time, and I just feel that. With yesterday's loss for the Chiefs, that they are about to get that rude awakening that has met all of these other dynasty teams in the NFL in, in recent in recent history within the last 30 years. Is it fair to say that that the Chiefs ultimately or they are going to look back on this particular game in within the next two to three years and say that was a blown opportunity and we this team was more than good enough to actually win it all, considering who's facing them all facing them in the, in the NFC side of things in the Super Bowl in the LA Rams. Yeah. So I think it's sort of interesting that you put it that way, or they're going to look back. And I think maybe the Super Bowl result will impact that. Mm. And, and if Cincinnati by some way, uh, let's say they beat the Rams by 10 points yeah, or they read, you know, that they you know, they just do something remarkable that I don't think a lot of people are expecting. They're going to look at themselves and say, man, we were, what, a couple of plays away from winning a game that we should have won at home against the Bengals, and we lost to the Bengals twice in the month of January, and we couldn't figure out a way to beat them between the first matchup and the second matchup? Yeah, I could see there being some regret there or or feeling like there was a lost opportunity, but I think they should feel that way no matter what. They should feel that way now. I bet there's a decent amount of players and the coaches there that do feel that way. I think second-guessing Andy Reid in these spots – is fair game. I still think he's a really good coach and his track record is really good, but he's only got one title. 
which is, you know, something you can hold against them, I guess. I would also say this, you know, Brady, Brady uh, gets, I'm sure, asked all the time, you know, by young quarterbacks. And we know that he knows Patrick Mahomes and mm-hmm. they've got some sort of relationship off the field, right? They took all those Madden pictures together. So um, I, I'm willing to bet that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has asked Brady for some advice on some level about something. Mm-hmm. And if I were Brady, you know what I would tell him and any other young quarterback that's good and is, you know, in this situation, let's say Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'd say, hey, after I had won three out of four, I won three Super Bowls in my first four years as a starter. And, and this sort of goes for us as fans too. Mm-hmm. In 2004, after what was the best Patriots team, I think, of all time to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that team was absolutely stacked. Yeah. Their team in 03 was really good too. I, I, I was think thinking that, 03 was probably better, but I, I, I want to hear your No. Opinion. No, I mean, it, I love the 03 team, and I thought that was, you know, sort of the – they were coming into their own, and they were, you know, really showing everybody in football how good they were. Yeah. The 03 team was excellent and one of my favorites. The 04 team was a freaking wagon. I mean, you look up and down that roster, there was no stopping the 04 Patriots. I mean, Absolutely. They, were, they were just too damn good. And I would say, though, if we went back in time, if we jumped in the time machine, all of us, and we went back to the Patriots – Winning their third Super Bowl when they did over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid. Yeah. That night you had said, it's going to be 10 years. It'll be another decade before Tom Brady does this. You'd say. I, would, I wouldn't have believed you. I'm like, no way. Are you out of your mind? How This guy has won three out of four as a starter, and now you're telling me with this team, with this coach, with this quarterback, with all these guys that they have on this roster, mm-hmm. you're telling me it's now going to be 10 years before they do this again? What world are you living on? You're crazy. And that's what I would tell, you know, Patrick Mahomes or anybody else. I'd say, guys, it's really hard to do this. Yeah. And even when you're really good, and even when your team is good, and even when you're well coached, you can hit a dry spell at 10 years when you're the best quarterback to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. And so – I mean that should sink in for, really, for one of those something guys. Just now, you know like, I mean? now that you put it in that in that kind of perspective, because the thing that the thing that really just stood out to me just now, as you're saying that, is one ten years, and we think about ten years a long time. A lo- that's like a whole generation <laughs> a, in the NFL. Long, like, in the NFL, that's longer than <laughs> just about. I would say 10 years is going to be longer than what 95% of players' careers? Correct. Yes. It's got to be a high number. It is. No, it is. Yes. Because most guys' careers don't even last for three or four years max, not even be on their first contract. And yeah. and 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 then to and then to add to that, you think about that 10-year gap between 05 when they lost to Denver, if I remember correctly, in 05, but then 06. Oh God. The nightmare that was the 06 AFC title game, one of the one of the few, but most ah most sore sorely thought about games that that still bothers the hell out of me when I think about it considering that they were up, they were leading in that game 21 to 3 the pain man is in Indianapolis Colts and and it still makes me mad but let's let's skip over 07 please <laughs> but but even like 06 was only two years later when they when they blew it in the AFC title game against yeah. the Colts mm-hmm. and that roster two years removed from having been that amazing roster against the Eagles yeah. was a lot different than it, it was, was only two years. Yeah. It was oh, by far. I mean, they that Brady was throwing to, you know, uh, Jabbar Gaffney. Gaffney. 
<laughs> Jamar Gaffney, right? Uh, I mean, we've all got a Jamar Gaffney joke in there about the yep. AFC title game in Indianapolis about, how, you know, he just he couldn't come up with it. And so I just, you know, who else was on? Was it uh, – was Doug Gabriel on that team? Doug Gabriel was, in fact, on that team. Yeah. Was Doug Gabriel 06? Yep. Yeah. Defensively, so, we also we still had um we still had Rodney Harrison, who was getting older at by, by yeah, that point. Yeah, he was he was wearing down a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. But that 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 whole team was just far was far and away weaker than than what we had seen in 04. But to but but to attempt to get the the hell with it. Screw trying to get the train back on the damn rails at this point. Like, seriously. I mean, I, I, I here I am. I have one track mind, one track agenda, and all of a sudden we're we're like completely off in a frozen tundra somewhere off the, oh, somewhere in Siberia. At this point, screw it. Um, <laughs> but when you look back on what the Patriots were able to accomplish um, over the course of those twenty years, versus how when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl two years ago. And everybody in terms of the national media were ready to anoint them the next great dynasty in the NFL. I'm not going to lie. I myself was beginning to feel that way. Like, damn, okay. Ooh, okay. We're going to have a problem with, with Patrick Mahomes here for the next decade, at least bare minimum. Now, with everything that has transpired in terms of the emergence of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert is a problem, and I don't and I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves in terms of being among the top three quarterbacks in the AFC. But then also, not to forget about oh, Joe Burrow as well. When you look at these teams that has got all of these quarterbacks now, including including the Patriots, we're still waiting on to see like what becomes of Mac Jones. Is it fair to say that the AFC side, at least on the AFC side of things, that it is going to be a lot harder to repeat as Super Bowl champions when you have this many good elite quarterbacks competing in the same conference at the same time. Yeah, well, someone has to be truly elite out of the group. And so I think this relates to what we've already talked about, which is has Mahomes become that guy? Mm. And I think after this playoff run, you can't say that he has. I mean, I still think he is, but I just don't have good evidence to support it at the moment. I mean, what do you think? Do you still think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the AFC? I do. I I do, but he's got competition. He really does. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, he's got he's got competition, but Brady had competition too. He had Roethlisberger and Manning. Yeah, I mean, I would, and, even I would have put a Manning ahead of Roethlisberger, as crazy as it may seem. Oh no, um, I would too. I mean, no, no doubt about that. Peyton Manning was a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. I'm just no particular order yeah, mentioning yeah. those guys, but you know, he had other quarterbacks and. Roethlisberger didn't come until a few years after Brady had started. So Manning was really the, the, the guy in the beginning that he had to contend with. And, you know, there were still other quarterbacks along the way. I mean, if you want to include uh, Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers and San Diego at the time, I mean, there were good AFC quarterbacks. But, no, I, I get what you're saying. It feels like we're going to see that Buffalo-Kansas City game every year now, doesn't it? It does. I mean, we're there's some recency bias in there, and that we just saw that a week ago. Yeah, and it was marvelous. <laughs> so I get that, but <laughs> I, I'm with you on Herbert. I just feel like um, I feel like his his I don't know. I feel like his growth has maybe been stunted a little bit because maybe he doesn't have the best of coaching there. You know, I, I feel like he still makes a lot of mistakes that 
he should maybe be over. And he's got good guys to throw to too. Yeah. And, and that should be a better team. Uh, but I do agree. He's very talented guy. I love Burrow. I think he's just, yeah. you know, he's, he's cocky. He's a pain in the ass. Like he's, <laughs> he's not afraid to just let it rip and speak his mind and tell you that you better get used to him winning. Like he's a total punk, but, but, in, the, <laughs> but in the way, but in the way that Brady was a little bit of that, like he reminds yeah. me of, of Brady when he was young, Brady was sort of that guy. And, you know, Hey, I'll prove to everyone how good I am. Like, great. Um, you know, granted, he came into the league. Joe Burrow came into the league in the complete opposite circumstances that Tom Brady did. Mm-hmm. But I, I do sort of enjoy the Joe Burrow show. It is a show. I love, you know, I just love, I, I do like that team. I've never been a Bengals fan. I can tell you that. I think the Bengals are, Bill Belichick always talks up the Bengals, and I always rip Bill for this. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about when it comes to Mike Brown and the Bengals organization? <laughs> they have sucked for nearly my entire lifetime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was five years old the last time they were in the playoffs. So wow. like they suck, you know? And so now they don't suck. They're good. And yeah. it seems like Zach Taylor is a decent head coach and one of these sort of young, uh, brilliant offensive minds in the league and all this stuff. And uh, I mean, well, coming from McVay's staff, you know, McVay's the young, brilliant offensive guy. And so I don't know. I, I, I sort of like, I sort of like it. I won't lie. Like I, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bengals. I know a lot of people are. That I a lot of people decided are decided yet. Like I haven't even decided who I who do who do I want to win and as well as like try to like determine like who who I think will win. Uh, well, part of me is rooting. Part of me is rooting for. Um, I know Felger says this all the time, so I'm mm-hmm. sort of stealing it from him. And I know you're a Felger guy. I know you're. <laughs> Great associate, by the way. Great associate. I know. I know you're a Felger guy talking about your sausage and the casing and all of that. I know all about that. So, um, Felger, Felger, Felger always used to say it when we worked together, and that is, I'm rooting for my takes, right? Like, mm. I'm rooting for whatever my opinion was to be right. And so, I've always spoken highly of Joe Burrow. I think he's, I think he's really good, and I think sometimes he's underrated. And now he's getting his full due. So no one can call him underrated now. But I've always rooted for Joe Burrow. And I've always rooted against Odell Beckham Jr. I've always said that I don't think that he makes a team a winning team. And I've never wanted him to be a Patriot, even when he was in his, you know, coming off his prime years in New York. And I will admit, man, he has played his ass off for those Rams. Yeah. He looked so good there. He has looked awesome with the Rams. So I'm sort of rooting for that, but it sucks because I do, I love, I think Aaron Donald is, you know, I don't know if he is right at this moment, but for much of his NFL career, you could look at Aaron Donald and say, that guy's the best defensive player in the league. And you're yeah. not going to make a good argument for anybody else. Like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say best player in the league because quarterbacks are always going to get that. Brady is course. always going to get that. But Aaron Donald is just Aaron Donald is one of the most impressive football players I've ever seen. I mean, I, he's I, I agree. He's single handedly just a complete wrecker. It's it's uh, it's Lawrence Taylor like. Yeah. Right. It's 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 like LT. Like LT mm-hmm. was his own thing, and LT could make things happen by simply putting him on the field and knowing that LT was going to take care of business and do his own thing and single-handedly change the course of a game. I feel like Aaron Donald can be that guy. And, and against this Bengals team, as much as I'm going to root for the Bengals, I feel like Aaron Donald is going to eat Joe Burrow for lunch. 
he's going to chew him up and spit him out. And he's going to attack that weak Cincinnati offensive line. And he is going to get after the quarterback. And I just think he's so impressive. And, you know, he's a first ballot. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer five years ago. Yeah, He's just that good. And so, I'm, you know, I, I really like him. And I, I like Stafford. You know, I think he sort of was – was classy in how he handled his exit from Detroit. Yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't cause a big scene. He asked, he went to them and politely said, "Guys, I don't want to be a lion anymore." <laughs> like, I don't blame do you, him. Do you I blame just, I just wished I just wished that Calvin Johnson did the same thing. Like, but or Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I, w- I wish they had they had the like at least the the cojones at least do that. But speaking of like defensive players, you mentioned Lawrence. I was also thinking. What about Reggie White? Because Reggie White was oh yeah yeah what, yeah well, obviously similar you know same position too and similar sort of attack so yeah yeah Reggie yeah. White was one of those guys too I feel like Reggie White was that guy for a shorter period of time than what LT was mm-hmm. not in terms of length of career because Reggie White obviously had all his years with the Eagles yeah. and with the Packers but in terms of being like a dominant force single handedly I feel like LT had a longer stretch maybe I'm wrong about that but it just felt like Mm. Reggie White sort of was that for a time, but yeah, no, I think that's a good comp too. Reggie White was was a wrecker, and he certainly wrecked the Patriots in, in Super Bowl Thirty One. <laughs> that's one of those like scarring sports childhood memories: oh, the geez. Patriots losing to the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thankfully I'm not old enough to fully remember that. Oh God, so you don't have to. You don't have to remember Desmond Howard. And you don't have to remember Andre Risen, Bad Moon Risen scoring the touchdown. And good grief. Uh, nope. Man, the Patriots, the Patriots were in that game. You know, I don't know if people remember that. I know the people mm. who, who are old enough to remember it yeah. do. They were in that game. They had a shot, but yeah, that, that Desmond, that Desmond Howard return, man, that that was a killer. Yeah, I, I've I've seen the clips like all these years later. Of, of that particular Super Bowl. Brett um, Favre taking his helmet. <laughs> with it. A jackass. I hated him after that. Jeez. <sighs> the anger is still there, um, Beetle, huh? I hate those Packers. <laughs> hated but, that team. <laughs> but, you know, but you know something? Like In terms of, like, from, from national talking, talking football to, like, just lo- locally speaking, I feel that there's a shift in conversation in terms of the Boston sports landscape between the era that we that we lived through with Brady, obviously the greatest of all time, Ortiz just getting into the Hall of Fame, to Dan O'Chara, surefire future Hall of Famer. I think he should he should have ended his ended his career with the Bruins, although he's obviously still playing right now with the New York Islanders. But I just look at this current crop of, of of guys that are playing on the local teams and i begin to wonder like is there anybody that really pops off and says you know what this guy can lead the bruins or the celtics or the patriots or the red sox to to the next boston sports championship and if so who is that guy for you it's a i mean it's a you want one individual or are we thinking like in terms of the teams that have we, we can those talk, guys we can go like by teams yeah i mean i I look at the Celtics and I say, there's got to be some hope that Tatum and Brown mm. turn into, you know, down the road. They're still very young. And I think like we lose sight of that, that in three or four years, they could be different players than what they are now. Mm. They could. And whether they're together or not, both, you know, here, or if one of them is here, I, I just feel like one of those guys 
is going to be good enough to be on a championship team and be a very important piece. Maybe not the best player. Yeah. You know, Paul, I, I say this all the time. Paul Pierce wasn't the best player on the Celtics when they won the title. He was the finals MVP and he was great, but yeah. Kevin Garnett was their best player. Okay. KG was the Celtics best player. And so maybe, you know, something like that down the road happens for the Celtics, but I feel like they could be the Paul Pierce to someone else. And maybe that changes. Maybe they're good enough to become the KG of the next great Celtics team. So I think right now, like based on what evidence we have, the Celtics players and the young guys on the Celtics have the best case. I, I mean, I know there's a lot of talent in the Red Sox pipeline, right? Like yeah. they've got young studs. So maybe uh, there's a guy, maybe it's uh, Cassis is going to be a guy or, or uh, Mayor who they just got is going to be the guy. Like there, there could be one of those guys there. I think oh, it's yeah. too soon to tell, but no, I'm trying to think, is there that guy on the Bruins? I don't think so. I don't see it. They have it. They've drafted very poorly at times. And for the, I mean, and for the, for the Patriots, maybe, maybe Mac Jones is that guy. I don't know. You know, I mean, it, I don't, I wouldn't say that he isn't the guy, but I don't know that I have anything that's great that I can prove that he is. I mean, I think it's more fun to boil it down to this. Who's got a better case that they're going to be that guy, uh, Jason Tatum or Mac Jones? That's a tough one. It's Tatum. It's it's absolutely. I, I really want to. I really want to say Tatum, but I was, I was thinking, hmm, Mac Jones. I mean, a, a jury is still out. It's, it's too soon to tell. He's only it's only been in the league for a year. Right. So is, is Tatum? Is, is Jason Tatum a top? We'll say top twenty. Top twenty player in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. And Mac Jones is not a top twenty player in the NFL. Oh no, not even close. No. Right. I mean, and where and you debate where Mac Jones is as a quarterback. You know, he's somewhere in the middle. He's in that range of ten to twenty yeah. by most people's sort of you know debate on the matter and so there's far more guys that play in the league than and it's not even because there's way more football players than there are nba players just the sure. rosters are exponentially deeper <laughs> yeah you know oh the oh well the nfl roster is five times the size of the roster in the nba mm. so i mean it's it's not totally fair but he's just tatum's already sort of in that upper echelon of players and mac jones isn't and so maybe mac jones becomes that guy but i don't know that he will i don't know that he won't you know, we, we have a very limited sample on Mac Jones right now. Yeah, it's only only a year, but yet already you have people saying, well, he's not he's not going to be anything better than a middle-of-the-pack quarterback who's going to be serviceable. And that's a scary proposition to even, like, think, like, that's it? His ceiling is no higher than Chad Pennington? Like, I've legitimately heard that. I'm like, what? Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's give it another couple of years. Now, like, we... I think the biggest blessing and curse that has happened to this region is Tom Brady at the quarterback position, because yeah, I feel like agreed. every quarterback that steps into that position with the Patriots, whether Bill Belichick is there or not, is going to be compared and judged according to Brady, but Brady did this or Brady did that. And I just think that it's going to be so unfair and so crippling at times for a young guy to try to try to come in and, and succeed in this market. Yeah, I think it is too. And, you know, we've always said no one wants to be the guy after the guy, mm -hmm. right? No one wanted to be that guy. And so maybe Cam Newton was a buffer for that one year, but I don't think he was much of a buffer because I think everyone says, oh, Mac Jones, he's the, he's the Brady, he's the next Brady, right? I mean, he's already sort of still has that thing. And, and so 
at least he didn't have to like come in and play under him and sort of have that weight on him. But I think the expectations for Mac Jones are very, very high for the fifth quarterback taken in a draft. How often does the fifth quarterback who's taken in a draft have the expectations that he'll be something remotely close or or have the capabilities of a guy who's won seven Super Bowls in the NFL? I that's mean, not, it never that's happened. not a fair ask. Exactly. And, and that's go. I mean, don't take that literally. It's not like anyone thinks, oh, he's going to be Brady and win a bunch of Super Bowls. But – People think he's going to be as competent and as smart and is going to take care of the ball and is going to make all the right decisions the same way Brady does. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone looks at him and says, oh, he throws the football as well as Brady. But people expect all those other things to happen because those are things that conceivably anybody can sort of have, right? If you yeah. work hard enough and you study hard enough and you know the situations well enough and you're coached well enough, those are all things you can do and you can control regardless of your physical ability. And so I think that because Mac Jones doesn't have the best physical ability as a quarterback, he's not Patrick Mahomes, he's not Josh Allen, that all those other things, he's never allowed to make mistakes in, in the eyes of the fans. That's, like he's, oh. he's never allowed to have a mental error because Mac, you're not allowed to have those things. That, or oh, man. Mac, Mac, you're never allowed to have an interception to make a bad decision because the, that's a thing you can control. Yeah. And the reality is guys, that play that position do make mistakes not very few of those guys are tom brady you know and tom brady made mistakes right he wasn't infallible but you know (laughs) i think think because of the fact that we have we we have become so accustomed to greatness for for such a long extended period of time that people forget that brady did make mistakes like brady did yeah like, like bad throws and so forth and from from talking sports to specifically talking about radio and I've always marveled at guys in the industry who have the ability to not only be informative, but also know how to create conversation. And the question I'll ask you is what ultimately creates or goes into creating a dynamic topic that stirs up conversation, whether if it's on radio or even to the audience that is listening or watching as well? So, you know, I think that sometimes you're sort of stuck with a, you know, you know, the general topic you want to be talking about, yeah. but you want to be able to make it engaging. And I think the simplest way to do it is when you do it, you've got to soil, sort of boil it down to options. Mm. You know, you've got to sort of put it in, well, you, you know, you got to sort of deal with extremes as unrealistic and as stupid as you may sound doing it. And trust me, (laughs) we know we sound stupid. We're very much aware of this, but sometimes (laughs) it's best for the program. And and I don't mean we're making up takes, but we're comparing things that maybe you wouldn't naturally compare. You know, sometimes like what we just talked about, who's got a better chance to be the guy, Jason Tatum or Mac Jones, like we just talked about two minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of stupid conversation is that? When you think about it, like if you just went up to your buddy and was like, hey, I'm thinking about something. Who's, uh, who's going to be a better guy for their team, Mac Jones or Jason Tatum? He's going to be like, what? what? Why are you comparing? Why do I have to choose between those two things? Why, I can't, why can't I just watch the Celtics and root for Tatum? Why can't I just watch the Patriots and root for Jones? You know, And so I think it's sort of fun when you do this thing, and then you plant your flag and you die on the hill for one of those two guys. <laughs> And it's stupid. Like, what are you, you know, I, you don't, you don't have to pick one of those two guys. You don't. 
And, and, and you sat there for a second thinking, and I'm like, it's Tatum. That's why I was like, hold up. You what? thought for half a second. I'm like, it's, it's Tatum. It's Tatum. You know, and, and you sort of have these ridiculous, you know, either or conversations, which is always a way to sort of, first of all, it's, it's a way for you to have an answer, right? So it's a way for you to jump in the conversation, to be a caller, to get involved and say, I got my answer. And I'm going to call and I'm going to die on the hill for Mac Jones. <laughs> and we whip ourselves into these frenzies oh, over man. things that ultimately in real life don't mean a damn thing. Like don't it's mean amazing. anything. Yeah. And, and so that's like one of the things that, that I've always sort of had fun doing because it can lead to fun things and it can lead to people getting pissed off at each other. And it can lead to uh, all kinds of hate. You're an idiot. No, he's an idiot. You know, I'm going to tell you why you're absolutely right. I'm going to tell you why you suck and shouldn't be on the radio. Um, there's sort of that element to it, which is always good. And it's also easy to pick up because, yeah. you know, in a podcast, like in a podcast, and you know this, you do radio and you do podcasts. Yeah. Radio, you might have someone that joins you midway through the conversation. In a podcast, it's linear. Someone yeah. doesn't say, oh, I'm going to go listen to Shukri Wright's podcast and I'm going to pick it up in the 25th minute. No one does that. No, never. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But in radio, you're 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 tuning into the radio when you get into your car. You you know, I don't know that many very many people are t- listening to radio in the home anymore. It's pretty much cars and streaming. But whenever you turn it on, it's live. So you're joining it in the 25th minute. You're joining it in the 45th minute. You're joining it in the second hour, the third hour. It's it's an easy way to just sort of recap it and get back into whatever the hell it is that's being talked about. Mm. So you don't feel like totally left out as to, okay, I just got in my car and it's 9.43 in the morning and uh, that, I don't know what they're talking about. What the hell's going on here? Mm. You know, like, so, so that's definitely one of the things is you sort of manufacture debates that make no sense whatsoever. And even though you can passionately talk about Jason Tatum and Mac Jones. None of it really makes any damage. I legitimately marveled at how, like, how do you guys, like, create that conflict? And even in which that there may be, it may be a moment in time where it seems like, well, there's no conflict here. Like, but how do you manufacture conflict? Um, like, case in point, the time that you had Zoe on the ropes over missing work because he had something going on. I think it was something going on with his house or something like that. I can't remember. Exactly. Water heater. The water. The water heater, heater broke. The water heater incident. The water like, heater broke. How, like, how did you like turn that into into such an entertaining segment? It, it was really an entertaining day because we never <laughs> we never let it go. And so you you know you say like manufacture sort of the argument or manufacture the debate or whatever it is. Yeah. I think the best thing you can do is you've got to have people that generally speaking are different that are not similar and they're not similar personalities because if you think differently and you're not similar people, you know, in terms of just how you think about things or how you view sports or whatever it might be, uh, I think you're going to have, you're going to have better arguments. You're going to have better debates with one another. And so that's like one way of of sort of doing it. And so I, I think you've got to find that like Zoe is, total like scatterbrain right like he's all over the place right that's his personality whereas i'm the here this is the order of how we're going to do things we're going to plan this out we're going to do it like this yeah you know where i'm sort of the let's keep this organized do this here do that here 
you know, and, and just like we, we just, our minds process things in different ways. So I, I think that's why, you know, you can have people that, you know, just sort of go in different directions and whatever the topic may be, but on the water heater, <laughs> I mean, that's why Zoe is the gift that keeps on giving. That he, <laughs> I mean, and that's all real. He took, wow. I mean, a lot of people, that's another thing. People are always accusing us of like, oh, this is a radio bit. And I'm like, no, no, I've never done a bullshit radio bit in my life. I've never made, we've never done that. Oh, I've never in, in 12, almost 13 years at the sports hub, the, uh, we've never like made something up like that. We, that's so legitimately banged in sick and told us his water heater was broken and that was so ridiculous that we were Hardy and I were beside ourselves. Like, listen, we both own homes. We both dealt with water heater issues and heating issues and mechanical issues at home. When in the world do people start banging in sick to their four hour radio show? And that's not to say that it's only four hours of work a day, but yeah. the fact is you only have to physically be somewhere for four hours a day. Everything else can be done at home. Anything else you do for your show is done at home. You couldn't come in for four hours today? <laughs> what happened? I mean, water heater breaks. Shut the water off. Call a plumber. Go to work. <laughs> and so, I mean, that just writes itself, you know? And so then, of course, it just gets completely out of hand with the callers. And I, I got to give up. I mean, this is what I, I, I say this all the time. So people will say, would you ever want to work in another market. And there was one time in my career where I almost did go and work in another market. Wow. Uh, before the sports have started. Okay. And uh, I almost went to Detroit. I, I was discussing the possibility of going to Detroit. And I ultimately thought to myself, like, this could be a really good opportunity. But I just don't know that I would care to do this anywhere else. You know, I mean, I just are, mm. you know, you sort of get a certain level of complete wise ass smart ass and sometimes it's too much and yeah. sometimes it's over the top but the people here just immediately pick up on things and run with it with you so those water heater breaks and we immediately have a board full of calls of people that want to say a few like words like they want to give a eulogy for those water heater and i'm like and i'm like in what other market does that happen like it does you know, I know, listen, New York is in Philly are very similar to Boston, right? Like we we're fierce rivals in sports and, you know, yeah. arch enemies in sports. And at the end of the day, you know, you find that you're, you know, it's like a, a brotherly type of hate for one another, you know, like yeah. those are, those are good people. And it's similar to think the way that you think and whatever it might be in terms of how you sort of, you know, go at it. And so mm. I don't know. Like, does that happen there? Would that happen in New York? I've never listened to a New York show. I can tell that there you. is. I don't feel like the, the shows on the fan or Michael K on ESPN. Like, I don't feel like those shows are as intimate as our show or TNR and Tiger Maz do a lot of sports. So I don't know if it's as intimate, but I feel like they've got their regulars that are a bunch of smart asses. I don't know. I, I even go back to Ordway yeah. when, when he was, when Glenn was doing the big show, like that was sort of a, intimate like we're all in the club like we all hang all the, the the listeners are a part of it i don't know the whiner line like go back to that it's just i i feel like this is the best place on earth to be doing it and i'm you know i'm biased i'm from here 
born and raised. And I just, I couldn't imagine that going on anywhere else. You know, like that just adds so much to it when you've got people calling in and sharing their words and expressing their sympathies to Zoe and condolences <laughs> to his family. And Adam Jones is writing up, you know, church hymns and, and writing <laughs> on his, you know, he doesn't work until six, seven o'clock at night. And he's, he's sending in his church hymns, you know, to amazing, to the theme of amazing grace, like Zoe's water heater and just ridiculous, you know, where else does that happen? You nowhere know, else. I can't nowhere else. And I'm glad I'm glad you brought up like New York and Philly, for example, because specifically New York being that's where I'm from, born and raised. I moved here. Uh holy shit. I can't believe in two weeks would be exactly five years ago. Um like part of my journey here is I I interned at ESPN New York 987 FM in the fall of 2015. And I worked very intimately and closely with the Michael K show, uh, ESPN New York Tonight. So I'm very familiar with the dynamics of New York radio, New York sports radio. This happening in New York sports radio? No Never. way. Because Never. I feel, I, start, I feel this way because there are two major reasons. In New York, I feel like because it's such a different dynamic in terms of between the fans and the sports teams. You have so many different sports teams, whether if it's in New York city or in the New York metropolitan area that I just don't think that that's something like that would possibly lend itself in a way where here it's so intimate. The relationship between the, all of the local teams is so intimate hell. And I've noticed it here. I feel like, the relationship between the listener and the radio host is so intimate that when something like this happens, it's like, oh, really? Okay. Or even when like with Big Jim Murray, when he did the the the, the wheel the wheel of the wheel of gutless bums in the summer 2018. Bums? Yeah, yeah. I, I I cried laughing almost every single day listening to that. Like, I just feel like it wouldn't lend itself the same way in New York if, uh, unless it was done here because of a different dynamic. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine that it would. And I've never heard anything like that in any of those markets. No. You know, I just, I just don't think they do the stupid things that we do. <laughs> and I want to say that as a way of patting us and patting our station on the back. We act like idiots better than anybody. Of, so, of course. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, I don't know. I just think it's different. I think it's, you know, I say about Boston all the time. It's, it's the, it's the, um, maybe the smallest big city. Right. It really, it really is. And it's, yeah, it's funny because, um, and I, and I'm just, I'm looking up as I reflect on this because I remember a conversation, um, that I had with you. It was summer of 2018 specifically. I was living in Rosendale at the time. And I was talk I was talking about like how I'm originally from New York, and that um and, and that like li between living in New York and living in Boston that I prefer to live in Boston. And I remember saying this at that time. This was like only a year and a half in living in Boston because, because yeah, the city is smaller. But the thing that 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 really grabbed me by the by the collar and got my attention was when I was visiting during that unforgettable summer of 2015, I kept noticing and realizing, yo, there's something different about this city when it comes to sports. There's something different 
about the people. The people aspect I can relate to because New Yorkers and Bostonians are similar in, ter- in terms of being cutthroat and being complete wise asses. The only right. difference is just population size, but very similar. But when it came to like the sports and in terms of the sports talk in this market, the thing that really got my attention was, man, you could really spend an hour plus ripping on your teams, yet somehow find a way to weave in another hour and a half of just complete dumb idiocy into radio that's entertaining as hell. Case in point, Far Court. I can't imagine Far Court like, actually working in New York City on FAN. Like coming up next on uh, on Carton and Roberts on the fan, we're gonna do fart court. Like what the yeah. hell? I'll tell you what though, those guys should do fart court, right? <laughs> I think TNR, I think TNR should like license it out. They should, what, right? I mean, they should license it to other stations. Like you want in on fart court? We we pulled the trademark. You know, Mac Jones pulled up whatever trademarks he pulled. Like Toucher Rich should pull fart court as yeah. a trademark, and then let other stations borrow it. Is what they should do. I, I think know? they make a lot of money off of that. And, and by the way, TNR, TNR deserve a lot of credit for being sort of, you know, one of the, the influences of uh, going that way with, with sports radio. Because, you know, I remember when we started and, mm-hmm. and Fred was like, hell yeah, I'll be on sports radio. And Rich was – Rich, well, he's admitted this. I mean, he's talked about it before. He was a little bit nervous about it. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't really what we do. And, and I think he had had in his mind that, you know – he, he had heard so many like really serious sports talk shows before that like he didn't he didn't know where he was gonna fit sort of in that landscape and in that scene and you know they just sort of kept doing what they do and put a bigger sports slant on it and look at what they've got you know what I mean yeah. so I, I think that I think there are definitely things in terms of like attitude and sort of going down oh well you know we had we were going to talk about this here but what the hell we want to talk about something we just saw on the tv in the studio so we're going to do it and as long as you're having fun as long as you're sort of you know having some energy you'll you'll make it work you know it's it's so funny to me because when people talk to zoe or i like if, you know whenever we're doing an event or something or yeah we, we meet people that love the show and they tell you oh we love the show you know i love the show I listen every day and you can usually like tell right away if someone's full of shit or not too. Yep. True. <laughs> like, true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure you do. And then there are the fans who are like, Hey, I, I listen every day. Like, you know, thanks. Love the show. By the way, can I talk to you about the day that what, you know, X, Y, or Z happened. And anytime that happens, mm. the things that people remember, none of them are sports conversations. Wow. None of them are what you said. Now, granted, you, you may have had a dumb take uh, or, or five, and I've had plenty of stupid things I've said sports-related over the years. And those are the people that like want to like, rag on you for a bad take. And you're like, eh, whatever, at least you remember it and you're talking about it now. Exactly. Hey, cool. You know, great. But I would say that 95% of the people or more mm. that come up to you and say, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this. It's always – a stupid conversation about sharks on Cape Cod or about Zoe's water heater or about uh, Jim Louth loving battery operated tools or is Milliken really that dense? Like it's always one of those things. It's, it's never like 
oh, well, I really enjoyed that conversation about the Red Sox bullpen. No, <laughs> no. The thing they remember is, oh, the gutless wheel of bums. I love that big Jim Murray. I mean, that's the thing that people remember. So, you know, that stuff sticks with people. If you can make someone laugh and you can make their day for five minutes, you know, that much more enjoyable by doing, you know, talking about something funny. Yeah, so be it, you know, have some fun, lighten up. Absolutely. As long as people are having a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I got, I got a couple more questions left, but the first, first one of two, we've been in this pandemic now for, which is hard to believe, almost two years. And I've always been, been really curious to hear different opinions across the industry in regards to how did the, the pandemic change the industry and as well as how did it impact you individually as a, as a personality in terms of how you do your shows and how, and how you like, I guess, format it. And as well as how you prepare for it as well. How, how, how I, I, I like to hear like your, your story as to how. To yeah. You. you know, it's, it's a, actually, it's, it's a pretty good segue from what we were just talking about because we had to go for so many months at the start mm-hmm. in what seemed like forever ago. Uh, it's been almost two full years now, which is just, I mean, I can't believe we're coming up on two years of this already. Same. And, and so, um, you know, we're six weeks away from two years. We're not even like at two years yet. Yeah. Six weeks from now will be two years. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, you know, when I just remember St. Patrick's Day weekend, 2020. Yep. That was when the world shut down. Yep. And so we had to at first talk about that, which was sports are shutting down. The world is shutting down. Now what? And so in the beginning, it was the latest on COVID-19. And what should you do if you have COVID-19? What do you do if you know someone who has COVID-19? And there was so, we knew so little, right? All of us, nobody knew a damn thing. Yep. And so uh, I think we quickly transitioned that out of that within a week or two to, well, now we got to talk about something. What are we going to talk about? And it was Tiger King. And it was, (laughs) I mean, wow. What are we going to do? We got to do something. <laughs> and so, I mean, we just go off on anything. And we were, and then, you know, soon thereafter, we were all from home. And the three of us did not work in the same room from the end of March in 2020. And I don't think we went back. We were home for all of April, all of May, and all of June. Wow. So we did not leave our homes for over three months. I want to say it was about four months we went and I was, um, I've moved since then. I have a different house now. And, you know, personally, the pandemic made me move Wow! because I, I, you know, I'm, as people know, you listen to the show. I grew up in Quincy. I lived there my whole life and I bought my parents' house. I didn't even want to leave my street. And, you know, I was like, no, I'm totally fine living in this house the rest of my life. I'll die in this house. I don't care. Like, this is my neighborhood. I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to go anywhere. This is home. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic hit and it was, this, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to be functional. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a wife who's a teacher who had to go remote. I got three kids that are in elementary school that had to go remote. How do you have four? How do you have one teacher teaching remote, three kids in school remote and a dad who's doing a, a radio show across all of New England from a closet in his bedroom. Wow. 
I mean, I was literally in a closet. It was four feet by five feet. I'm talking in a closet. I, I was even know it was a closet. That's 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 actually news to me. Like I, that's I, why I watched it. I watched it. Watch and listen to your show the entire pandemic, yeah. and I was I didn't even know you were in a closet. I'm like, what? So that um that backdrop. I had the blue backdrop. Yeah, I remember with the, that. Yes, 98.5 behind me. That's because it was a wall. I had it pinned to the wow. wall because the wall was six inches behind my back. And then I had a desk in front of me that's probably about two feet deep and then another wall. So it was desk pushed against the wall, two feet of a desk, three feet of me in a chair and then the wall behind me. And the the room was about as wide as the desk. And so I I just, I said, you know, at this point, I don't know how much longer this thing is going to last. And after four months of doing that at home and, and going through a lot, I mean, the end of that school year got canceled. Yeah. And so, you know, there was no school, so it wasn't, you know, there was limited, you know, one day a week voluntary wasn't mandatory, but you know, our, we wanted our kids on that as much as they could get on that, you know? And it was like, if that has to happen every day, which it was the following fall, like I'm like this, I don't know if I'll be in the studio. I don't know if I'll be working from home, but this isn't going to work. We don't have the space. We we don't have the ability. To, we don't have the number. We don't have enough different rooms to put people in. Wow. Like, there's just no way. And um, yeah, I was like, you know, it, that was it. That was like, all right. You know, sometimes uh, life throws you that curveball where you decide you got to do something different and, you know, now I've got these beautiful humps yeah. behind me in my, <laughs> my, in my home office that I have now. So yeah. that's what it made me do. And so as far as like getting ready for the show, we've always been a really good show at organizing ourselves uh, digitally before we ever, you know, do anything. Mm. And so now we use Slack and I know a lot of people use Slack for, for all different sorts of things in business. You know, mm. prior to that, we had, uh, we used notes through, you know, like iOS and mm-hmm. Apple, we'd use notes and we'd have email chains and it was sort of great. Cause like we, we Slack basically did what we were doing in, in notes on our iPhones and on our iPads and in Macs, which is you could sort of update it and just add things. And everyone had permission to view oh, wow. the notes at all times. Yeah. So you could always go in and see what anyone else had added or edited or dropped in there. And now Slack is just a good way uh, for us to sort of edit it. Sometimes we just have too much in there, which is one of <laughs> I can like, Sometimes we're throwing too much info in there. We're throwing too many stories in there that we're not going to get to. Hmm. But we've always been really good at staying on the same page with that. And, you know, getting things out of the way ahead of time, whether it's sound we're using or something we want to pull from post game or whatever it might be. So we've always been really good at that. I think uh, Felger Maz, they still use email, but you know, they're, they're really good about that too, sort of getting things out, out in front of things. So I don't think there was that big of a transition. We do so little in the office, you know, we don't, we don't spend a ton of time there. Um, Whenever someone's show is over, they're out the door within five minutes. So if it's TNR in the morning, I, before the pandemic, they used to have a lot of post-show meetings and I think they've sort of taken those out of the office now. And, and they're just, you know, I haven't, I haven't noticed them have one of those in a while since the pandemic started. Yeah. I think they've sort of cut back on that and have gone more digital like the rest of us have. And yeah. 
I'm, I'm out the door, you know, I'm out the door at about 205. So it's out the door at about uh, one minute. It's like 159 and 59 seconds. He's out the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Hardy sticks around for a few minutes wrapping up his, you know, he's got afternoon radio to take care of. So he's doing yeah. that. And um, yeah, everyone's out the door quick after the show. And, and even the stuff, even the meeting we would have before the show, that's sort of gone online too, because I just think there's sort of a difference in people want to stay out of the office setting as much as they can. Mm. And, uh, and not that it's weird because, you know, we're in the room together unmasked anyways. Yeah, exactly. So we're not following the protocols that everyone else in the building follows. Mm. You know, if you're on the business side, you're wearing a mask whenever you're, you know, around other people. We're not, you know, we just, we, that's not what we do. Yeah. So that's been a little bit different, but as far as how it's changed, what we do, man, I just think it's another one of these events that has, has proven to us that you've got to be ready to do something completely different from what you normally do, like on a moment's notice. And, and in a strange way, I would say the thing, it reminded me of this in the beginning, and it sounds horrible to talk about this again, yeah, sure. but, but um, the start of the pandemic in terms of sort of dropping everything we do yeah. and going in a completely different direction had the feel of, and I don't mean in terms of the, the, you know, how sad it was or devastating it was, you know, cause these are obviously both devastating events, but in different ways. And that is, it felt, it felt like the marathon bombing again, because when that happened, we were, you know, we were on the air and we were in the middle of the afternoon show and it happened. I'll never forget that day when it happened. And that was by the end of that show, drop everything. We're going in an entirely different direction. And then for multiple days after that, we didn't, we didn't broadcast. We turned it over to WBZ news wow. and we carried 1030 on the sports hub and it was just sort of a time of confusion and what the hell should we be doing? And then there was that period of getting back on the air and how long is the right amount of time to not be doing sports? You know, how, how long should we be talking about other stuff? And when we are talking about what happened, what about it should we be talking about and sort of, you know, finding our way through it. And quite honestly, not having a friggin' clue. Like not having the right answer, just not knowing what the right answer is and just sort of, you know, what do they say? B baptism by fire. Yeah. Right. You know, sort of having that baptism by fire of, well, you know, hang on, hang on to your seat here. You know, you're in for a ride. And, and that's just sort of how it went. Like not really knowing what to do, obviously far more dramatic and close to home with the marathon bombing, but sort of that same feeling of like, well, I don't know what the hell to do here. You know, we're going to have to figure this out as we go. Cause there's, there's no clear cut right answer for us for a news station. Perfect. They know exactly what to be doing mm -hmm. us. What the hell are we supposed to do? Exactly. And, and so, you know, we found our way and we figured it out and they were sort of similar in that way. And I would say that what happened in 2013 better prepared us to sort of have in the back of our minds that, you know, there are things in this world outside of sports that are far more important than what we, we talk about. You know, we're the, we're the sandbox of life, you know, in the big picture. Yeah. Sports are important. And a lot of people, you know, work in sports and people's jobs rely on it. And, you know, it's great for local tourism and the economy and all that. Yeah, I, I get it. Like it's great. And we love it. We just love it. We're passionate about it. But at the end of the day, who wins and loses a game? 
doesn't really mean much. You know, yeah. there's a real world out there. And, and what we do on a regular basis is nothing compared to what, you know, journalists are covering and the dangerous situations that they're in and the things that they're talking about. And, you know, just be prepared, be prepared for your fun little sports show to become something entirely different, depending on what the world decides for you. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. And, and I appreciate you like really like sharing your story, because for me, it was the day of March 12th that I'll never forget personally, because um, the night before. Um, and for those who are listening to the podcast, I've been listening to the podcast for a while. I've talked about this on a, on a, on a few occasions where on uh, the night before March 11th, I was actually on my way to TD Garden to, to work a, an extra shift when the news of Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID. When Mark and, Cuban had that reaction, right? Yeah. And, I, and yeah. that was, that was my, that was my first moment in realizing, uh Oh, okay. What? what exactly is COVID? And like, at that point, it, for me, it was like, okay, whoa, we, we have a problem. I get to the garden and, and I go to my colleagues, my guys, did you hear the news? They were like, no, what are, what are you talking about? Rudy Gobert has just tested positive for COVID and the NBA season is going to be suspended indefinitely. And they were just like, okay, why, why do we have to worry about like, uh, because the Celtics is very same Celtics game that we're preparing for. There is no Celtics game. That's why. Like it was just more of like a, I don't, okay, I don't see what the big deal is. The next day, um, and I got out of work from the going at six thirty in the morning. And now I, I gotta go to the station in, in Bedford, a WMFO uh, radio station is, is located in Bedford, and I got there around eleven forty five. And it was by far the most surreal show that I did. I remember that entire show. I didn't really talk sports except really did break the news down as it happened in real time. Oh, the NHL announces oh, suspending it definitely for the regular rest of the season. The, I mean, obviously the NBA was the night before, but baseball did it as well. College basketball tournaments were all be canceled one by one. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? By the end of the show, it was like from 12 to 2 p.m. I was like, okay, so we have no sports. I mean, I guess we'll just carry on. Nope. I got a, I got an email for the program director that afternoon. And, and she was like, yeah, so your show and all shows will not be broadcasted for the studio as of, as of Friday the 13th. And I'm like, huh? Excuse me? That was my holy shit moment. Like, okay, yeah, we're we're really about to uh, shut down, aren't we? But you, you, I, I I agree. That taught me so much in terms of learn how to prepare for what the world may throw your way because sports is is so minute versus what's going on out there. And I and that the pandemic for me was that learning lesson for me in that regard. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. You know, there's just sort of the, the unknown and you know, what's that next thing. This will not be the last thing oh, that, that we deal with that yeah. sort of, you know, turns the world upside down. You know, I mean, unfortunately there've been a lot of these types of, you know, things that have happened that you could say turn the world upside down at different points in time. So yeah. I, I, I think you just got to sort of realize that that's part of, part of the thing, part of the gig, like anything else. You know, that something could completely change what it is you're doing. So 
Absolutely. La- and last question. Um, oof. If there is one singular lesson that you could take that you've learned throughout your career and give it to someone who is trying to work and progressing in their, in their radio career, what would it be and why? Okay. My, my thing that I've, I've told people before, and I continue to tell people because, well, there are a lot more people that wanted to get into this business 10 years ago than now, by the way, there are, there are fewer people that want to do it. And that's probably because they're all smarter than us and they're on TikTok and YouTube and they're already blowing up and they're making millions. So credit to those kids. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's what my kids choose to do. I tell them all the time. I go, why don't you become one of these TikTok stars? Why don't you become a YouTube star? And they say, sign me up. And I said, no, you're not getting an account. What are you crazy? And so, um, (laughs) so anyway, here's, here's what I, what I say. And this is, you know, this is the most important thing that I remind everybody of, because I think somewhere along the line, someone got it in their mind that there is one path to working in sports media or working in TV or working in sports radio or whatever it is, you know, sort of in this landscape that you want to be doing, that there is one way of doing it and getting there. And, and I just think that couldn't be more wrong because I don't know any two people that took the same road to doing what they do in both sports radio and TV. Mm. I I just don't, I don't know anybody that followed the same path. I mean, granted uh, my path was very different from my co-host. He's a former NFL player. And so maybe that's a similar path that if you're an NF, if you're a former professional athlete, you can have a similar path to somebody else. But for the rest of us in this world, there's no right school to go to. There's no, I mean, there are, there are plenty of good schools that you can go to and, and, yeah. and learn things at and get better and, and connect with people and do things, but there's no right answer on that front. There's, there's multiple good answers there. There's no best internship. There is no uh, first job that you must get to have it be the stepping stone to the next job. Mm. There is there's really no same thing. I, I don't have the same path as anybody else that I work with. I mean, Zoe's a, a former NFL player. My other co-host is a former rock radio DJ. And I was a guy who went to UMass and, you know, lived and breathed radio for four straight years and did every single thing I could possibly do working at a college radio station. And in the afternoon, Felger and Maz did take similar paths. You know, they both worked in, in, uh, in writing and in, in sort of being beat reporters. But then Felger went and did an everyday sort of hosting gig at ESPN while Maz went and dabbled in doing TV stuff. You know, it's like they didn't do the exact same thing to get there. You know, they did, they went in two different directions and ended up at the same spot together after they were beat reporters. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just think, you know, Fred and Rich, they were, Again, they were they were doing a morning show and they worked on two very different morning shows and joined up together in Atlanta. And I don't know, there's just those are not like typical paths because I don't think there is a typical path to it. You know, I don't know what the right answer is to get into sports radio because I look at everybody I work with and I say, well, none of us went to the same school. Right. There isn't like a Syracuse of sports talk radio. (laughs) None of us went to the same school. Um, 
none of us started out at the same place of employment. And, you know, except again, I guess Felger Maz, their first real jobs were at the Herald. But other than that, it's like, I don't know. There's just no exact way of doing it. And so there's a lot of ways in. There's a lot of different ways to get to where you want to be going. And, and I just think that people should remember that there might be a job that doesn't look like an obvious stepping stone type of job that might be the thing that opens the door for you. That might be the thing that puts you in a position to know someone that is in a position to help you in sort of a big way. And, and, you know, I, I used to tell people all the time, kids that were graduating, you know, the kids at UMass always used to ask me like, well, what should I do? I just graduated. And they said, what do you want to do? And they said, I want to work in radio. And I say, so get any job you can get in radio, Mm. any job you can find. You don't have to be a producer overnight. You don't, you know, if that job's not open, you don't have to be the guy who's screening calls. You don't have to be the guy who's working, um, you know, whatever it might be that's related to on air, be the guy who's handing out t-shirts at an event. Because I can't tell you, and and I used to say this all the time. And people used to think I was crazy. And I've been saying this for, for years, but I can't tell you right now how many guys there are uh, that work at the sports hub. How many people started out by showing up and handing out t-shirts and bumper stickers and have since transitioned into roles producing and working as producers and working on shows and having input on things like there are multiple guys that are producing like uh you know at the sports up right now that started out doing that it's like that that wouldn't have seemed obvious oh if i go work on the street team and go to an event at a bar telling people like hey do you want to sign up to win a pair of bruins tickets i did not think that was going to get me a job producing felger and maz but that did happen there is a producer on felger and maz right now that started out doing bar events and street team stuff Wow. So it's like, you know, and, and credit to him for like just, just sticking it out, sticking it yeah. out because that's not easy. I, I don't know that I could have done that. And so I always say that, like, even if it's not sports, even if it's not handing out the t-shirts for the sports station, go work in a music station. I can't tell you how many friends that I have that work in music radio that have given me just incredible amounts of quality advice as it relates to doing a show on a sports station every day. And I'm talking people that have never worked a day in doing sports radio, Mm. but they're good radio people. And they've done, you know, morning shows on other stations that have nothing to do with sports, but they know about sort of what sounds good on radio and what you can do. And you could do this different. And some of my best friends in radio have absolutely nothing to do with sports. I would say like multiple best friends I have in this business have, have never worked a day on sports radio. They love sports radio. They have a great appreciation. Like they think what we do is great, but they do something entirely different and have for 30 years. And they're some of my best friends and some of the people that I trust the most, like in terms of, Hey, did this sucker was this good? And, And they can give me an honest opinion. And so I just think that there's, there's no, there's no right answer. If someone tells you, you know, that you don't have the answer, they don't have the answer either. So th- there's no one singular path. Everyone's got a different path to, to go and where they want to go. And sometimes that stepping stone job, like doesn't seem obvious. It doesn't seem obvious, but work within the industry that you want to work in. If you want to work at a TV station, 
then get any job you can get related to TV because you just never know. And then, by the way, you might take the job and say, this sucks. I There's a dead end. That's okay, too. At least you found out. Exactly. At least you learned that lesson. And then, listen, it's not easy. Like, media, notoriously, a lot of low-paying, shitty jobs trying to break through the door. You know, like, I'm fully aware of that. And, by the way, we're not immune to that at the sports hub either. So, it's it's tough. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes it's brutally unfair because some people just can't afford to, to do that. Like I know that for much like for, for a few years, man, it was, it was touch and go. It was touch and go. But um, if you can last, if you can outlast it, there might be something really good on the other side. Well, like that's, that is really like not only insightful, but I definitely think that something that I just picked up on a few gyms myself. So I'm like, bet add it to my repertoire add it to my uh, to my suitcase and whatnot and i appreciate you sharing that with me uh mark bertrand so like a bertrand weekdays from 10 a.m to 2 p.m 95 the sports hub watch it across the England on abc sports boston beetle thank you seriously thank you so much for taking the time out to come on the podcast it definitely was my honor to be on to have you on the podcast it was great being here man it was a great conversation we had a lot of fun we'll have to do it again sometime absolutely i look forward to it thank you